Back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, joined by Blake Alderman today. Florida knocked off UT Martin 45-0 over the weekend. A little bit of a slow start, Blake. I think um, that was a lot of people's takeaway, at least. You know, only three points in the first quarter. 17 points at halftime. But then Florida really was able to pull away in the second half, like you'd expect. First off, Blake, I guess, what were your takeaways from the game, either positive or negative? You know, I think that... uh the more I see Florida from, you know, even last season to their first two games this year, the more I'm starting to get the sense of, you know, second half team. You know, I, I obviously it was UT Martin, um, but things were slow, like you said. You know, you start off slow. I thought they um, finished a little bit better in the Miami game in the second half. I know they kind of jumped out with that big play from Tony in the game there. But I, I'm I'm really seeing that this team really does respond. And I know that Coach Mullen said in the, in, in the press conferences after the game that, you know, he was not happy with how the team performed in the first half. And he sort of lit a fire into the team and, I think that that kind of carries over to the sense of, you know, these guys really go into the locker room and they do come out inspired in the second half. And I, I've kind of picked that up from the from the games last season. Obviously, the South Carolina game, they finished strong. And, you know, even the Michigan game, they were a second-half team. So I really do kind of see a lot of senses of that, that this coaching staff does put these guys, um, you know, X's and O's coming out to the game in the second half and even, you know, yeah. mentally there. So, you know, I, I also saw a couple miscues. Um, that kind of have carried over from the Miami game. Also, I, I do think that the team run blocking um, is one thing area that I, I thought was kind of a glaring thing. And, and you know, I think that the tight ends um, still have not figured out a good way to kind of get blocked and get that push. But, you know, overall, you know, I mean, there's it's it's really kind of nitpicky to sit there and, and kind of bash a team that, you know, put, pitched a shutout and scored 45 points and had, you know, like 400 or 500 and, you know, over 530 yards of offense. So, you know, I, I mean, it's kind of nitpicky, but I, I do see some things that, you know, have improved some but are still there. Well, the second half thing's interesting to me, I think, because – I think most people would agree that Florida's coaches are very good adjusting, like you said, particularly at halftime, um, on really on both sides of the ball. We've seen that really over the last year, like you said. I think that a lot of times when you're playing these UT Martin-type teams, um, they'll throw some looks at you that are maybe a little unorthodox or that you're not familiar with. And I think um, when I look at Florida, and particularly listening to Dan Mullen after the game last night, um, I know at halftime on the, the Gator Radio Network, he kind of let an F-bomb slip and said, basically, we can't get the F off the field. Um, and he quickly, you know, kind of corrected himself and caught himself. But he was I think he was frustrated at the fact that Florida, once again, didn't run a ton of plays in the first half. You know, that was one of the big issues against Miami is they never felt like they got into an offensive flow just from a rhythm standpoint. And, you know, with him being such a, a you know, a quality play caller and that whole offensive staff, once they get going, that's when you really start to see them just, you know, really take off against teams. But I think there's been a sense that Florida's offense really hasn't done that for the most part. Um, Obviously, they wore down, you know, UT Martin last night. But, you know, when it really mattered, I would say in the first half, before your depth, you know, starts to take over and your, your, your better physicality, I thought Florida struggled a little bit with that. And I think some of that is, it goes to the fact that, you know, they're having to make these adjustments they're obviously better after they do, but I, I did get some frustration. I felt like from Dan Mullen on the fact that they, you know, that they couldn't run more plays offensively. Yeah, you know, and I don't know um, if that's just something that's going to come with time, or if it's just something that's going to come with coaching. Just because, you know, I mean, there there are a lot of things offensively, like you know, the offensive line. I, you know, I think. Um, 
they've obviously struggled in the run game. Um, I think they've been pleasantly still a surprise um, in, in the pass blocking schemes. But, you know, I mean, this was a, a unit last year, too, that it really didn't start to kind of catch their, their full swing until about the Mississippi State game. They kind of turned it around. So, you know, I mean, there's still a lot of football left to be said. But, you know, now it's now the games are going to start really really heating up you're, you're entering sec play next weekend against kentucky on the road um kentucky snapped the streak last year i know they lost a lot of players you know benny snell uh you know they, they lost a, a lot of big players from that 10 win team but you know now it's gonna it's, it's not gonna get anything but harder going forward yeah um i think we should break down the you know the o-line issues a little bit I, i'm glad you mentioned that i think you know the pass blocking has been pretty good i would say though that it's probably a little too early to to fully praise them on that just because um, I know in going back and looking at the games in terms of what they were facing defensively, Miami, for the most part, was pretty bland on the pass rush. I think they were concerned about Felipe Franks' running ability. Um, and so what you saw the Hurricanes do was kind of spy Felipe Franks with the linebacker and really just focus on keeping contain in the pocket rather than necessarily going in and registering a bunch of sacks. Um, and then when you look at what UT Martin did last night um, – they were kind of a an unconventional defense. They run a three three five, and really Dan Mullen said after the game they were basically just dropping eight into coverage, um, and so Florida wasn't only wasn't really facing many blitzes or anything like that. So it's probably a little too early to fully evaluate the pass rush, um, but I think one of the things we've seen and one of the reasons I think that Florida didn't probably get to run more plays last night is because I think that they were really working on the run game. You know, that was an obvious issue against Miami where they didn't really generate a whole lot, um, didn't get a ton of push. Um, and, and I think you had guys struggling a little bit in terms of assignments, particularly in the power power run schemes. And I thought you saw Florida, especially early on last night, kind of try to establish that. Um, and I don't think it was as successful as they would have hoped. Um, but I'm looking at like the drive chart, you know, Florida's first drive, nine plays, Florida's second drive, seven plays. Um, so you had, it wasn't like the Miami game where you had, you know, an explosive and then that's the end of the drive or, you know, a turnover and that's the end of the drive. Florida had some extended plays. I just think that because of what they were trying to work on, trying to establish that run game, um, it didn't lend necessarily to a very long first half, you know, where you get a bunch of incomplete passes and then UT Martin, obviously on the other side, I think that's, that's where some of the frustration where Florida not being able to get off the field. Uh, as quickly as Dan Mullen would have liked played into it, you know, because there there just was a lot of running clock in that first half. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things where Florida, you know, they they bring back LaMichael P. Ryan. I mean, he's he's there for a reason, you know, he, he's a big-time senior. Um, you know, he just hasn't had probably the production that I thought that I would see out of him. I mean, I knew that there was going to be struggles on the offensive line. You know, you have a lot of new pieces there. But, you know, I guess I was just a little bit more higher on his ability to kind of break some things and, and do a little bit more. You know, I'm not sign, trying to beat up on him or anything like that. But, you know, I think it's a little surprising just to do see the struggles that are in the run game because, you know, I thought some of these younger guys that got some snaps last night really kind of hit the hole harder and were maybe able to do a little bit more things um, in the run game. So I guess that was a little bit surprising for me on my end also. Yeah, well, I think from an X's and O's standpoint, you know, when you start breaking down the game, I think that's that's where some of the issues with the O-line and the tight ends kind of come into play. Pirine's always kind of been the guy that has really good vision and patience, um, and I think that pays off more when you have a team that can execute the power, you know, the power run blocking schemes a little bit better. You know, the, the traps and the pulls, you know, with pulling guards. I thought when you when you go back and rewatch the film, um, Chris Bleich, and I think to a little bit of a lesser extent, Brett Heggie, both kind of struggled when you were talking about pulling in that power scheme and, you know, really setting creases there that that Pirine can kind of read and bounce in. And so I think 
I think that's probably why he's maybe been a little less impressive than people maybe maybe thought. You know, I had one person mention to me on Twitter that they they thought he'd be able to break a few more tackles. Um, and I think when you got used to you know Jordan Scarlett doing that a bunch, he did that early last year, and you had that ability to make something happen and break tackles or push the pile even when um, there wasn't much of a hole there. And so I see a lot of similarities with this O line, but I think the skill set in terms of the running backs a little different. You know, P. Ryan's not necessarily the guy that's going to break a bunch of tackles or move a pile just by himself like Jordan Scarlett could. And so that's where I think Florida really, really needs to work with, you know, Hedy and Bleich and start to figure out, you know, OK, if, if those guys aren't capable of pulling, do we start to alter our scheme a little bit more? Because to me, when I'm watching, they're just a little bit slow getting there. And what you'll see a lot of times, particularly with P. Ryan, is it alters the angle that they're going, you know, on their their play and that's it's just kind of slowing everything down right now I thought Florida was a lot better in this game against UT Martin when they went to more of a zone blocking scheme where basically what you're doing is you have a couple of double teams and you're working the quick double and then you know that one of the one of your linemen is getting to the next level and blocking a linebacker they're still not great at that you know there's not a lot there's not enough second level contact with linebackers right now but you saw them start to do that and I think when you go back to last year uh, we were talking about a lot of these same issues with last year's unit, and they got a lot better. So I think in some ways that should be a reason for optimism for Florida fans. Thomas, you were really high on Florida's team. Obviously, you have a lot of veteran pieces. Um, I know the offensive line is still a work in progress, but I mean, overall you return a lot of pieces on offense and defense. I know it's only been two games, but Florida did have a, a little bit of a quality opponent in Miami. It's not you know your usual opening cupcake game. I mean, I know that came later, but... Has your thoughts at all changed from this team? I mean, I, I know that, again, there's a lot of football left to be played. I'm sure a lot of those answers will be, you know, given from SEC play. But I guess is, has, has your opinion changed so far? No, not really. I mean, we, we kind of talked about this after the Miami game, you know, when we had the bye week to kind of reflect on it. I don't know that that game necessarily taught me a whole lot new about Florida as much as it did just kind of reaffirm some thoughts that I had, you know, in terms of the O-line. Um I still think two games is a pretty small sample size. I think that um, for Florida offensively, we don't fully know yet how they're going to look when they face a team that comes very aggressively at them on the pass rush. Um, maybe that opens up Felipe Franks' running ability some more. Um, we don't know yet how Florida is going to kind of scheme against some of these teams. That's the one thing Dan Mullen is really good at. They're pretty good at figuring out what the opposing defense is typically good at or even struggles with and then attacking that. Um I just think there's a lot of football left to be played. I think, I think in any for any team, you can find some areas where you obviously need improvement. And for Florida, I think very clearly um, that starts up front in the run game. You know, getting getting to those spots a little quicker, a little cleaner, and then making sure you're making contact. Um, but I think if you're looking for you know some some reasons for optimism, I mean, let's let's talk about Felipe Franks' game last night, right? Yeah, absolutely. At one point, he was, I think, 15 of 15 passing, and then mm -hmm. that was leading into, I think, into the third quarter, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was absolutely terrific. Yeah, I don't think he had a, an official incompletion until he threw a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. Um, so I, I look at him, and, you know, I know a lot of that stuff last night was short yardage, but to me, he just looked, and I know level opponent and all, he just looked so much more comfortable. I mean, I think, you know, people want to discredit stuff here and there and say it was just throwing short and stuff. But if I had told you before the season started that Felipe Franks would have a game where he's 25 and 27, 270 yards, two touchdowns and didn't turn the ball over. I don't know anybody out there that wouldn't be thrilled with that. Um, and so 
I think there's obviously still areas he can work, but I think that when you're looking at strides made from game one to game two, that to me sticks out as the biggest one and maybe maybe the most important one. Yeah, and I mean, you can kind of hinge the argument of, you know, a lesser opponent all you want, but, you know, that that's the kind of play you expect. You expect to be close to perfect or at least have a very good game. And, you know, I, I always kind of circle back to this is that, you know, Felipe Franks, you know, these are games that Florida was having close games with opponents like this early on. So you can really see the growth. You can see that the scheme, you know, things are kind of clicking for him there. And I think this is the kind of game you need to wherever you're carrying into not only an SEC opening up game, but also on the road. And I think that's the kind of performance that gives you that confidence that maybe things kind of taken away from the Miami game. You know, I know Felipe has always been very confident, but I'm sure in the back of your head, whenever you have all these, you know, whispers going on and, you know, you turn on the TV and, you know, you've got college game day talking about you a week later on a bye week you know I think that there's some things where you kind of get into your head and obviously I know the coaches do a bit a good job of kind of keeping him level but you know this is a kind of a performance that can really kind of carry you into where you need to be on the road yeah I mean at the end of the day man 45 nothing it's first shutout and I think three years I mean this was all in all a pretty good game for Florida and like we said there's there's some spots that definitely need work but when you're talking about progression you know I, I think I mean, that was a pretty good second game. Um, I it, it wasn't perfectly ideal, and I think Dan Mullen's frustration makes that pretty clear. Um, I, I think that they would have liked to get more snaps in there overall so that they could have felt more comfortable with you know the, the first-team O-line and Franks and that operation, and then been able to get Emory Jones and Kyle Trask some snaps before like the fourth quarter. Um, so that, that would be a negative if you're looking at it, just the fact that it started slow um, kind of kept them from getting some of those guys maybe more snaps. But I thought Florida very clearly went into it with a game plan to get a lot of guys snaps. You saw it on defense very early. And I'm sure we'll 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 get more in, into the defense and some of the, you know, the secondary guys that shined after the break. Um, but I think from an offensive standpoint, yes, there's things to work on. Um, I think there were also some areas that got better. Um, now we're going to find out real quick just how serious the, the things that they have to work on are and and whether or not they can scheme around them if if you know they're in legitimate problems heading into sec play but uh yeah do you have anything to add yeah i was gonna say that you know obviously uh, just kind of sticking to the offense that you know florida it's not a secret at this point that florida had a really deep and really talented wide receiver group but they did have a pretty big injury in Kadarius tony he went down in the game it looked like a shoulder arm wrist you know he kind of grabbed a bunch of spots on it on his arm um during the game and you know i know that uh he had that big play against Miami, but, you know, I, I guess what do you kind of feel that that does for kind of bringing that injury? Then, you know, obviously I think Jacob Copeland is a pretty good replacement there, and I think he does a lot of things, you know, end around. I think he's kind of one of those twitchy guys. But, you know, I think if you had to pick one area to get Florida kind of banged up at, I think wide receiver would probably be the one you'd pick if you're kind of sticking to offense. Yeah, I don't think that one affects Florida a whole lot. I don't think that Jacob Copeland's kind of going to be a like-for-like replacement there. Um I didn't get the sense from Dan Mullen that they're fully ready to trust him yet. You know, they'll work him in some, but I mean, that was the case with Tony too. I mean, they didn't fully trust him to be an every down player either. Um, so in terms of the, in terms of the offense, when we're looking at the injuries, uh, I don't, I don't think Tony's absence is going to be a major problem. It's obviously one less thing that defensive coordinators have to game plan for, which is, you know, you like to have as many of those things as possible. Um, but we'll, we'll get into, I think the injuries more on the defensive side where is where I'm a little bit more concerned uh, let's go ahead and tackle that and, and some of my thoughts and your thoughts defensively right after this break. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, and Blake Alderman is here with me. Uh, we both had a chance to watch the game last night in the Swamp. We've, we've gone through it again on a rewatch, and so we're kind of getting into our thoughts here. Blake, I wanted to ask you about the defense, because we talked a lot about the offense in that opening segment. Um, did you have any overall takeaways on the defensive play last night against UT Martin? You know, I, I thought that the defense, um, obviously, whenever you have an opponent like that you, and you have a shutout, you know, it's going to be a good performance defensively. But I think the thing that really stuck out to me was some of these young guys that Florida has, some of these freshmen that got in there, Kair Elam, Chris Bogle. I, and I, I think the guy that really impressed me more than any of them was Chester Kimbrough. I know he's a guy we've mentioned on the podcast um, that has been kind of a pleasant surprise. I know a lot of his teammates were high on him. But, you know, we kind of get that every fall camp, every spring, that, oh, man, this guy's going to be the breakout guy. And then we never see him in the fall. And I know that you can't really hinge this performance on, you know, oh, man, he's the, you know, DBU, next coming of the great defensive backs. But I thought he played really well. I, I think if I had to pick a freshman, I think that he was the one that really kind of stuck out to me for, you know, kind of getting in there and, and making a name for himself as far as, you know, really making sure that they got him some snaps. It seemed like they tried to incorporate him early. Yeah, no, they definitely did. And it was funny because, you know, in fall camp, we all get out there and we're not out there for like a, a ton of practice. It's usually only a couple periods, seven, eight periods, something like that. Um, so we're not seeing a whole lot of 11 on 11 or, or pass skeleton type stuff in fall camp. We see a little bit more of that in the spring. And my initial impression of the, you know, the three freshman defensive backs, when you talk about Jaden Hill, Kimbrough and uh, Kyrie Elam was that Kimbrough was probably going to be the guy just based on his, his physical appearance that would definitely take a red shirt. Um, you know, he's not, he's not a big corner like Florida likes to play under Todd Grantham. Um, but I thought he was tenacious. You know, I was watching him last night. And, uh, you know, especially after talking, talking all week about the, the tackling concerns that showed up against Miami and, you know, even Marco Wilson and CJ Anderson looked a little less than authoritative. Uh, Kimbrough to me was, man, he was darting to the ball and making nice hard hits, wrapping up. I thought he was extremely impressive. Uh, so I guess, Blake, let's talk about the secondary depth overall, because I know obviously with CJ Anderson being a little bit banged up. For those who don't know, Dan Mullen said, uh, you know, after the game that he thought it was just going to be a minor, you know, ankle sprain. So we're not entirely sure yet how long he'll be out. We should hopefully have more information on that from Mullen on Monday. Um, 
But I think fans coming off last year where you lost Marco Wilson and there was a pretty steep drop-off in the secondary are obviously going to be worried about that. For you, where where where's the level of concern right now if C.J. Henderson has to miss a couple games? I think it kind of depends on what game it is. You know, I think last year it didn't really matter what game it was. I think that there was concerns no matter who it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are some games where, you know, there there could be some trouble. I mean, I, I, I definitely think that you want him there for the Georgia game. You want him there for the Missouri game with how they like to air it out. I, I think there's some games where you really want him in there and you want him to, you know, there, no team wants one of their better, you know, all-American defenders not playing on the on the game in their game. So I think there's some games where I think it's going to be a little bit more glaring than others. You know, would I rather have C.J. Henderson in a game against Georgia or would I rather have him in a game against Vanderbilt? You know, I think that that's obviously a pretty clear answer there. So I think that obviously they they still have some glaring needs to fill in the depth-wise going forward, and that's going to be something they work on on the recruiting trail. But I think that it's it's kind of still something they've dealt with even last year. You know, they, they were dealing with a little bit more glaring depth issues, but it, it's something that I think that they're a little bit more trained to deal with at this point. Yeah, well, I've said it a couple times. I think that the freshmen that they have now are in a better place to contribute at the SEC level at a high level than, quite frankly, you know, C.J. McWilliams and Brian Edwards were last year. Um, you know, that's that's a that's an honest take, but I, I think that's where we're at. Um, Kyrie Elam, you know, I, I, that was as good of technique on his first career interception last night as I've seen in a long time from a freshman. Perfectly stacked the guy and then ended up playing it like a wide receiver. I mean, just great phasing. That's what you love to see. Um, I thought Jaden Hill was was pretty physical, mixed it up a couple times on some wide receiver screens and made some really nice plays. Um, so, you know, I don't know that you want those guys starting for extended stretches of your season, particularly in the middle of the SEC play. But I think that those are guys that, yeah, they'll take some lumps, but I think you've got some pieces to work with there. Um, so I'm not super concerned about the Henderson injury in and of itself. I think where you start to get in trouble is um, – the secondary as a whole just doesn't have a whole lot of bodies right now, particularly at safety. Um, you know, with Brad Stewart being suspended the first few games, that was very obvious. It sounds like he's going to be back for this Kentucky game, but may you know still have to sit out a game down the road. Not quite sure there yet. Um, but I think that you know Jawan Taylor being out right now, we're not sure how long that's going to take. They said he wasn't 100% last night, so he didn't play. Um, at one point, Sean Davis got hurt, and Florida was down to two scholarship safeties. I mean, they were, t- they were down to Quincy Linton and um, Donovan Steiner. So, to me, overall depth is, is kind of a concern. I mean, I, I think that Florida can get, get by, but, man, you, you start to test the depth pretty quick, whereas I don't have any such concerns in terms of the defensive front seven. Yeah, I think safety is still a spot that if I had to really kind of outline the defense, that it's still the position that really needs improvement. You know, I think that, and obviously I'm sure a lot of that has to do with Brad Stewart being suspended. I mean, obviously he's going to be your guy that you expect to be a starter. Mm -hmm. But I think the one guy, I I was pretty impressed with Sean Davis and how he performed in the game. Again, yeah, absolutely. I think that's two games in a row um, where he's been really pretty good. Big physical guy. I think he has has the capability of making the big play that Florida's other safeties have kind of lacked. You know, um, Juwan, Juwan Taylor and Donovan Steiner are, are more often than not in the right position. It's sometimes making the tackle or, or forcing a, you know, a big play that's been an issue. And I think Sean Davis can bring you some of that. So if anything, I would say, you know, if you're looking at silver linings from how sloppy the Miami game was, I would, I would think it was that David Davis kind of showed he can be counted on in that second half. And now we've got another full game on tape where, you know, somewhat by necessity, he was forced in there. And I think, I think like you said, I think Florida can kind of start to count on him going forward. Yeah, I think that it's the point now where from from the first two games, where from just me watching and, and kind of looking at things, it's 
I, I've at least been sitting back to say, well, who's going to be the guy that's going to be able to accompany Brad Stewart whenever he's back from suspension? And I think so far from the two games, I think Sean Davis really jumps out as that guy. And I think that obviously him in the run game, he was really big there. He can step up and he can fill the hole and he, he'll, I mean, he hits. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing for him is just in the passing game, staying in position and making sure you know, you, you just don't get anything behind you. And I think that that's the thing where he's kind of struggled there, just kind of figuring things out as far as in the passing game. But, you know, I think that that's something that I, I feel more confident with him going forward as the season going on, get him some more playing, get him some more snaps. I think he'll start to be a little bit more comfortable back there. I, I think if I had to put stock in any of the safeties as, as kind of trending up, I think I would put my stock on it with him. Yeah, no doubt. And I think I, it's worth it's worth noting that I thought Donovan Slanner was a lot better last night. Um, I didn't really notice any coverage busts when the starters were in there. You know, the one that comes to mind immediately is the one that uh, C.J. Henderson was hurt on, where I believe it was Kimbrough and I'm blanking on the safety now, but Kimbrough and and it might have been Steiner, actually, now that I just praised him. Um, They let him get behind, and I I think that was the one bust. Um, But I thought overall, speaking about the defense kind of just in general, I thought the the tackling issues for the most part disappeared. I only noticed maybe three or four where guys made kind of a half-hearted attempt. Um, I thought, you know, the the pass rush continues to be really, really good. And uh, I thought that was, a you know, definitely a positive. Um, I I think depth at linebacker is still a little bit questionable. Amari Barney was a guy that didn't play in the game against UT Martin. And, uh, you know, I think I, I continue to be really, really impressed by Ventrell Miller. Um, he had some plays uh, in the game last night where he really took on a blocker and made the play in a hole. Um, those are the kind of plays that you like to see, and that that's the kind of you know play you're looking for when you're looking for guys that you know have all SEC potential. He's a guy that I think is just going to continue to get better and better. It'll be interesting to see how he does against you know some of these more athletic, powerful teams um, because he's probably a little bit undersized for what you look for in a linebacker. Um, but I think you have to be thrilled with him so far. It's just kind of a question of depth. You know, James Houston was a little bit less reliable last night, uh, even though he had some nice plays as well. Um, but I think overall, like kind of like we said, you know, on the offensive side, I think there were areas where you say, OK, we were definitely better from week one to week two. You know, even putting aside the fact that it was an overmatched opponent, I thought Florida's defense played much more crisp. Um, you got to get off the field a little bit more early on. Um, but I think, you know, some of that is a tip tip your cap to UT Martin. I thought they had a pretty, pretty good scheme. And I thought the thing that. The thing that stood out to me about UT Martin was they were very patient. Um, they were they were very much comfortable with just taking three, four-yard gains and hoping to extend drives that way. And I thought the one play that really underscored to me that they had a, a very confident plan and we're going to stick to it going in was they had fourth and two or three on their own side of the field from about the 40. And I've seen teams that come in the past and, and kind of play with this uh, we-have-nothing-to-lose mentality. And, you know, they'll go for it on every fourth down. I thought the right decision there was to punt. And you saw what happened. Florida, Florida got him, got a little bit frustrated by the fact that they weren't able to get more possessions in the first half. You know, Dan Mullen said that. So, I think tip your caps a little bit to UT Martin. I thought they had a good plan going in. I thought Florida adjusted well. Um, and I think overall, there's a lot to build on on both sides of the ball for Florida. Yeah, and to kind of circle back from from you know the defensive front seven. I think that if you are going to have some issues, depending totally depending here how C.J. Henderson's injury goes forward, I think that you have to feel better of just the overall top to bottom front seven getting that pressure on a quarterback and kind of making some forced throws. If you're going to have to play some freshmen back there and Kyrie Elam, you know mm-hmm. Jaden Hill, uh, Chester Kimbrough, those guys, I think that you you kind of would rather deal with that also in the this year. We're just getting more pressure on a quarterback, and it's going to be a little bit harder. You can get some coverage sacks. You know you you know. 
you can make more pressure, make more errant throws. I, I so I think that what Florida has in their pass rush can really kind of help with that injury. How, however bad it is, I know that it didn't seem bad from you know the coaches are saying that it looks like a sprain, but. If if there's going to be some games missed, I think that you really would like how Florida's looking up front there and how the the pressure they create if you're going to have one of your better players in the defense not be able to play. No, I, I completely agree, and I think it goes back to kind of what we were talking about. Florida's coaches are very good at making adjustments. You know, if they realize that they've got a secondary that's a little vulnerable, I think you're going to see them gamble a little bit more on the pass rush. Um, so I think that's a great point, Blake, and I, I think it, it, it underscores one thing I think people overlook a little bit with Dan Mullen. You know, we talk about him being a pretty good game day coach. I think when you're talking about that, the, the thing that sticks out to me the most is that Dan Mullen is very, very aware of his defense and where they're at within a game. And what I mean by that is Dan Mullen's not a guy that is just out there trying to score as many points as he can. And there are a lot of offense coordinators that are, that are out there, that are play callers out there that do that. They just want to see how many points they can put on the scoreboard. I think Dan Mullen is very astutely aware of how his defense is or where they're at within a game. And so if he senses that those guys are gassed, he's going to call an offensive drive to try to eat some time, you know, get those guys a breather. And I think that's part of what makes him such an effective coach. Um, so I think my, my kind of takeaway from these first two games is that I think Florida's coaches probably have a much, much better idea of what they have going into the year. One thing that'll be interesting, and I'm sure we'll talk about this midweek when we start to break down Kentucky, um, Terry Wilson, Kentucky starting quarterback that Florida had a lot of trouble with, last year is out for the season. And the reason I say that's interesting is because I know for a fact that Florida has already spent time game planning for Kentucky. Um, David Reese talked about it last week and said that they had looked at some Kentucky film in the bye week uh, ahead of this UT Martin game. Um, And so I think a good deal of that preparation is a little bit up in the air now. You know, Dan Mullen and his staff are going to have to adjust on the fly to having a quarterback that's probably a little bit less of a threat with his legs. And that can potentially alter some of what you're doing on game week. So it's going to be an interesting week for Florida. I'm very curious to see, you know, if Dan Mullen will kind of answer that question. Uh, you know, how much had they already looked at Kentucky? You know, most coaches will, will, will take the first four games of the season and they'll kind of start to game plan those before the season even begins in the offseason. Uh, so Kentucky would obviously fall into that. It's going to be really, really interesting to see how much that injury changes things. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Florida's Florida's a talented enough team that if they go out there and they execute, that's a game you, you figure you, sh- you should probably win. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that uh, especially whenever you have so many of those parts of the Kentucky team last year that are that are no longer there, I think that uh, you know, like you said, Terry Wilson, he was one that did give Florida a lot of trouble last year with the way he could kind of extend plays with his legs. So, you know, I. I think it's good in some sense because obviously for for a Florida standpoint, you know, you don't have some kind of dynamic athlete back there at the same time. You've already been game planning for one thing. It's kind of, you know, how much of that do you scrap and throw out the window? And and I guess, do you have to start from the ground up again going forward? Um, Whenever you thought you kind of had a little bit of some time to jump ahead. Yeah, well, it's like you said, we might see Florida be more of a second half team next week as they, uh, you know, get some unexpected looks, I'm sure, in the first half. But, uh, Blake, I, I appreciate the, uh, the breakdown of the UT Martin game. I think that was some good stuff. We will, we'll dive much more heavily into Kentucky. I know we're going to talk to Dan Mullen, Felipe Franks, uh, both coordinators before our, our midweek show. And we'll be back for you guys probably Thursday evening with a preview of Kentucky. Looking forward to the first SEC road game.